Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. In this episode, Sarah and I are going to be talking about our own screen time feelings and policies and how we handle social media and you know interact with the electronics in our lives. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about kids and screens, our household policies for the young people we live with and are trying to shape into upstanding characters and what we did with them. Then we had an interview with Devorah Heitner who is the author of the book ScreenWise, author of the forthcoming book, Growing Up in Public, about how we can help young people in our lives navigate this sort of, you know, the digital universe that is there, that they are part of that ecosystem, often whether you wish to be or not. Um, as Sarah often says, just because you get away, you know, you can give up your phone, but that won't make 2023 into 1995 which is when we grew up, although without <laughs> many of these devices and such. So Sarah, you have blogged and written a lot about this. You have, for the most part, removed social media from your life. I mean, you're still yes. very you know tech-savvy person. Obviously, you have a podcast, you have a blog, but social media, you draw a line around. Can you talk a yes. little bit about social that? Social media yeah. in particular, I have decided to draw a line around. So 
going all the way back to 1995, I think I loved like the infancy of social media. I was very drawn to it even then. I remember like spending hours on like prodigy bulletin boards. Like I have a personal attraction that is perhaps slightly unhealthy <laughs> to social media. I, mean, I guess I've just come to realize that. I think it's not that uncommon. I don't think it makes me a unique snowflake. I think that these types of interaction have become increasingly more addictive. And the number of women who tell me that they're like unhappy with the amount of time they spend on Facebook or Instagram or, or whatever their you know thing of choice is, is not low. But I will. I feel like I've always had a proclivity toward those things. And in 2016, before any election happened, but maybe in some of the lead up to that, I was like, I don't think I need Facebook in my life anymore because it's just like too much. Plus, I was often spending time on something called PMG, which is physician mother's group or mommy group or something like that. And you know what? There was a lot of useful threads in there. There's a lot of great, strong, smart women on there talking about very similar topics to what we talk about on the show. But I could not read it and feel good and like turn it off and like not have a lot of feelings. Like there was something about it that it was just like, either it made me anxious or it made me compare or it just like made me want to read it for three hours straight and then be like, oh my God, what did I just do with the last three hours? Like I was unable to use that in a healthy, constructive way. And my biggest thing is like, if we had unlimited time on earth and like this time we spent on screens, like somehow it didn't count, like, oh, those are extra hours of life that you get. It wouldn't bother me so much, but it's like, no, like I, I want to do other things. I want to exercise. I want to read. I want to hang out with my kids. I want to do X, Y, Z. I want to go outside. And so I just decided like that I was going to be better off if I took Facebook away. And then I think Instagram gradually rolled in and kind of filled that void. And then in 2021, I was like, okay, time to take Instagram away as well. And I've been absolutely happier having done that. Like I, there's just like some weird angsty feeling I get when I spend too long on those things, both something about consuming the content, also like sort of seeing how I think Instagram especially has just become this like weird like who has the most followers and like who's the most successful and like it didn't feel like it was me and my friends it felt like it was me and a bunch of influencers right like and then just like realizing that I could spend my hours doing other different things so it's been great I put up kind of an away message I didn't like close my accounts I was just like I'm not going to be here anymore and I put up a link tree so that like if someone looked up the shoebox or whatever on insta they could like find my blog or whatever I have no idea what percentage of traffic like ever makes it anywhere. I obviously haven't grown my social media platform <laughs> because of that. So that may be a downside, honestly, because now that I've kind of entered this creator world as a an actual part-time career, sometimes it's good to have a bigger platform and I I don't have one. But yeah, no, I, it's not worth it to me. I am just like so much happier without those things. And I haven't really thankfully come up with any like I haven't even let myself touch TikTok like I, I'm like that would just be my next Instagram I know I just like can't handle it so but do you find that I mean so there's this quantity of time in our lives where you have zero energy you are not in some situation where it's particularly convenient to do much else and that's why I know a lot of people pull up social media and so I try to train myself to you know do puzzles or to pull up something on my Kindle or whatever but then there's also you know just like sometimes you want the brain dead sort of stuff that you're you're doing. And I, I've 
I wonder if you ever even wind up like just reading a lot of blog comments then, or you've, I think you've mentioned going to Reddit at various points and reading through stuff. Well, Reddit so, for me is no better than Instagram. Okay. When I find myself falling down that, it's the same. When I'm in a healthy mental health space, just none of those things do me any favors. Like they're not relaxing. They make me stay up later than I need to. A lot of times it is when I'm tired and I'm just be, would be better off reading a book and then falling asleep. I'd be better off talking to a real person if it's stress that has made me turn to those things. I'd be better off just like writing a list in something. I will say like the healthiest screen escape time for me is, and I don't do a lot of it, but YouTube, because I have very specific people I follow. They're all like in the planner kind of world or like Jet Pens is a company of Japanese stationery. And that it just, for whatever reason, I'm not compelled to watch 50 of them. I don't get all compare I can just like relax and like enjoy it. And I'm sure there are people who feel that way about social media in general. I'm just not one of them. <laughs> so. Yeah. I guess I, I, I guess I haven't found it quite as addictive to me or as... I agree. I don't think you do find yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't as inspire <laughs> as many negative feelings for me. So... I tend to look at it, you know, let's say if I have, I'm waiting in line or something and I don't have a book I want to read, like then I'll go see what's on. At night, when I am sitting in Henry's room, waiting for him to fall asleep, uh, which I would prefer not to be doing, but this is, you know, the particular stage of life we still happen to be in at the moment. And I kind of like, you know, if I want to do something that is completely unproductive and useless right now, I can And so, you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook now again. I, like you, left it around 2016. I happen to have a wide variety of people in my friends and family and background from multiple sides of the political trend, not even just straight left and right. I mean, there's some ones you probably haven't even thought of, (laughs) like of, of what people's political stripes happen to be. And so... Sometimes that makes it very interesting. And then sometimes around 2016, like that made it just a, a horrible place to hang out because of, of people's incredibly strong and in many cases, obnoxious feelings on various sides. So I left and then I found myself back like in the last year. It's weird. I don't know if it was Facebook kept trying. They kept sending me notes or something. Or I went on because somebody had posted, something, you know, I don't know somebody's like baby photos are there and I want to go look. And I was on the like, buy nothing group briefly. And then I needed a babysitter. So I had to, you know, I joined a local like babysitting group. And then I wound up joining this group called Large Family Tricks of the Trade, which perhaps like your physician mommy group is some alternately interesting and then alternately helpful. And then alternately like, oh my Lord, (laughs) like, you know, but you know, it's it's also just like, you want to see the variety of human experience as well. And sometimes you wind up in your own little bubble and uh, I'm going to beg to differ and state that the algorithms are also putting you in a bubble, like a big bubble. I, I mean, there is such a big brother, like controlling, like mm-hmm. what you see and what is fed to you next. And they know what's going to push your buttons. So I don't buy the like, I'm seeing all sorts of like. Well, except that, you know, it's it's people's lives who in many cases very different from mine. And I, I do appreciate that aspect of it because I might not have sought that out, right? Like, And so I read those um, sometimes. 
you know, I like Instagram for the photos. I like seeing people's stuff. But, you know, I don't use any of this as much. I, I haven't posted anything on Facebook in ages. I think I last posted on Instagram when I'm recording this like two weeks ago. It's not something I particularly feel compelled to do that much. I would tell you that like with the creator aspect and bringing traffic, I mean, it's good to have a presence. And some people really do that as a way where they build community. But I think you have to decide to be all in on a particular app then to do it. And I'm I'm a little concerned about that because you don't necessarily own all the material, right? Like, I mean, it could disappear tomorrow. They could deplatform you tomorrow for something you didn't even know you did wrong. I mean, you know, it's uh, could definitely happen. Whereas what you and I have both done of building up like a newsletter list and building up our own websites, it may not expose you to a broader, bigger audience that could make something go viral quite as easily. But on the other hand, it's yours. It's ours. Yeah, it's ours. And yeah. they can't instantly take it away from you. So, Or even like the number of people that like didn't really want to make reels and then found that like, well, Instagram wasn't going to show their stuff anymore. Like I don't, the idea that a company could like kind of decide which content is going to be popular and which isn't like, oh, there's something unnatural about that. And the, I don't know. I just keep going back to the fact that like, their job is to keep you on their device as long as possible. And they're very good at doing that. At least when it comes to like me, <laughs> like they were very good at doing that. And they're buying my eyeballs, my expensive eyeballs <laughs> during the time that I was doing that, feeling bad about myself, having negative feelings and not doing other things. Like I, yeah, I can't wrap my head around it, but you definitely have better moderation. And it, it doesn't sound like the self-loathing is associated with it. And the fact that you haven't like posted in two weeks, like, yeah, clearly you're not addicted. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be back talking more about our own interaction with screens. So Sarah and I are back talking about screen time in general. I mean, the truth is we're on screens all day. I mean, we're on our laptops. I mean, it's, it's not like... <laughs> I guess we have to sort of draw a distinction here because there's so many ways that we're interacting with screens and, and you know, I've gone on the laptop for eight hours of work. I don't really watch TV. You you like TV though, right? You like certain sorts of TV. Yeah. I don't watch like a lot of TV. I actually probably watch a very like two hours a week, maybe like it's, it's not a lot, but I really do enjoy usually doing one series at a time, either something that I'm watching by myself. Like I watched Sex Lives of College Girls by myself, and I watch Bad Sisters by myself. Or like Josh and I are watching Ted Lasso right now, and we always watch that together. So I find TV to be like much higher quality than it was when we were growing up. There are so many more options, so you can kind of like pick your own like niche kind of a thing. And I again, it doesn't have that addictive quality. Like I, we watch it at night. I know there's some people who do have issues where they like they'll want to stay up till two a.m. I'm like. I'm just such not a night person. I'm tired. So once I get sleepy, I'm like, okay, we're done. We'll finish this one tomorrow. Like sometimes I can't even get through one full episode of something. <laughs> Ted Lasso can be long. Like some of those are more than an hour and I'm like, Oof, it's rough. So yeah, no, I, I enjoy it. And you're right. I mean, at work, I'm on screens a lot of the time. I don't like that kind of like itchy hand task switching kind of thing. Like, I mean, you brought up waiting in line. Like I... If it's a very long line and there's nothing else to do, I totally get it. When it's like a short line, it's kind of like, no, my brain actually could probably benefit from just like standing here for a second and like 
maybe talking to the person next to me or maybe I have a kid with me and I have to like deal with them anyway. So I couldn't be on my screen effectively or I'm going to end up screaming at them because they're halfway across the store or whatever. (laughs) So I don't like those little bits, you know, like I find they kind of like pollute my attention a little bit. But no, it's not like I'm avoiding screens at work or we're on one right now. We can see each other as we're recording this podcast. And we met each other through our blogs. I mean, you know, which is something that we might not have naturally ever come across each other without that aspect of the early version of social, you know, interaction. I met you through your book, which I purchased on paper. So that's true. Okay. Well, I, but (laughs) maybe, maybe if it were the nineties, I would have like written you a letter. (laughs) We would have been pen pals, Sarah. Like, You'd been like, she has nice handwriting. Let's be friends. That's true. And her choice of stationery is stickers? on point. <laughs> exactly. I should get to That's know her. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I still like to create content that hopefully people will read in their, their analog times of, of day. But I think for me, the way I think about it is the same as I try to think about it with my kids. There are... I have my bedtime. My bedtime is 11 p.m. Unless there is a really good reason, I will go to bed at 11 p.m. And then I'm up at 6.30. And, you know, in the morning, I'm kind of busy doing stuff with kids. I'll I'll read. I will turn on my phone and I have a couple newsletters I enjoy reading in the morning. But generally, that's not time that's going to be, like, spent on social media or anything like that. You know, there's obviously work that is occasionally check in if there's something professional I'm trying to promote through social media, but um, I tend to have things I need to get done during the day. I'm running kids around in the afternoon. If I'm at a kid's activity, I'm generally trying to do something like a work project that I, I said, this is you know what I can do during this hour. We have family dinner. We have, we have to get kids in bed. We often, you know, in the summer do our time outside after dinner. Um, I sing in my choir during the school year, try to have family adventures. I run whatever else, you know, so there's just not that much time available for going down some sort of deep rabbit hole of social media stuff. And occasionally I do just because I'm so fascinated almost from a like, I don't know, anthropological perspective on some of these Twitter, like little Twitter communities that will rally around some particular idea. And like, who thought that was a good idea? Now you've like tried to convince all these other people that you're into it. Like some really, truly bad dating advice I I have found. (laughs) So, you know, like, well, okay. Like people who, yeah. Don't read dating advice from Twitter. I guess that would be my my life coach thing I would say there. But I find that kind of interesting and we'll, re- we'll read that. But yeah, there's just not that much time available. That's so funny. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you're not one of those people who wakes up because I think a lot of people will wake up and get sucked into their phone and then like whatever morning intentions they have, especially if they're not a morning person and they wake up kind of tired, get railroaded because they, you know, spent 17 minutes and now like, they're planned to do a 30 minute workout is like is over to me people talk to me a lot about that but that doesn't seem to be like you fit in a lot well we'll see when i don't have you know five kids at home i don't know maybe i'll be the person who's on whatever the version of social media is 16 years from now that's an interesting topic because there are a lot of seniors that 
spend their whole, I mean, before they used to spend their whole days watching the news, right? And yeah. watching TV. Yeah. And now they've switched to Facebook and God knows what else, but I don't really want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, again, it's, you can find communities online in circumstances where it might be more challenging to make them in person. And so if you are somebody who has physical limitations, for instance, it can be harder to get out. Like if it's not as easy for you to drive and, you know, you're relying on neighbors or children or whatever to drive you around it, it you know, it, that is the social interaction you can have. So I, I, I don't know. I'm sort of understanding about that part of it. That makes sense for that use of it. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, well, you've read some books on on the um, the topics of screen time and adults. Like, what were some of you that found oh my useful? Gosh. Yeah. So I've, I think I've read them all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you with me with the organizing books. <laughs> yes, I don't <laughs> I read just, organizing books. I don't really. do anything with them. I just <laughs> like to like to read them. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I recently just finished Johan Hari's Stolen Focus. That one. That one's a lot. Um, it was a lot. That okay. one was a lot, even for me. And that's saying something because you've heard me like rant and rave on this episode. <laughs> but I liked some of the ideas presented there. Okay. And I liked reading specifically about his three month screen fast he took, just because, like, that's never going to happen for me. And so it was just interesting to hear somebody else's experience having done that. So that was an interesting one. I really like Cal Newport's Digital Minimalism. I think he did a really nice job with the topic. I actually, I enjoyed that one even more than Deep Work. I know Deep Work like got, I think, a lot more attention, but I really like Digital Minimalism. It was about like, find the minimum, like, it's not all or nothing, but like, you want to use your phone to the level where it serves, or your devices to the level where they serve you and like, not beyond that so that you're serving the companies, <laughs> basically, with your eyeballs, as I said. So I thought he did a nice job with that. And then... Catherine Price, How to Break Up with Your Phone. It's an oldie book goodie. I don't think I put her recommendations like into action when I read the book, but when I finally quit the apps, I thought about her book as I did them. Because for me, the only thing that made my phone less compelling and less addictive was just getting the things off of there that I, f I found very compelling and addictive. And actually, once I did that, it became pretty easy not to go on my phone because what am I going to do? Like, go to Google Maps. Like <laughs> <laughs> You'd spend days on Google Apps, I guess. <laughs> How would I drive from here to Yellowstone if I were going to do so? Let's uh, see what's how many uh, subways are on the way. So yeah, I enjoyed Digital Minimalism, um, Cal's book, I, partly because of the approach it took, not just like, you should be off screens because screens are evil, because that's silly, like they're not. And it's a tool like anything else. And you want to find how it works in your life. And he made the point that you should look at how you are spending your leisure time and figure out cool things that you can do with your leisure time. Because when you are doing that, then the screens are then just generally less compelling. So if you sing in a choir that is two and a half hours at rehearsal, then you are not on your screen because you are doing something else that is, you know, more interesting and more constructive. You know, if you have, you know, a lot of the time when we're on phones is because we're like half supervising our kids. But, you know, even that sort of time, you could come up with ways to make it better. Like, what if you and a friend 
meet up at a park, right? And then you could talk to your friend and your kids are all playing together. And so you're not kind of half on your phone looking at stuff and texting your friend. You're, you know, you're, you're having the real world interaction. And then it winds up being sort of less screen based, but it requires a lot of thought, right? It, that you have to put effort into your leisure time. And a lot of people find that sort of challenging to do. You know, we're tired. <laughs> like, so, but you know, it's, I think it's worth doing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, from anybody listening to our podcast and we've, you know, all of our hundred dreams and like things we want to do and, and how we're proponents of like planning stuff because otherwise it won't happen. You, you can tell where we fall on that side of the spectrum. But yeah, yeah, I, I love the. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying, well, last thing before we take one more ad break and then do our question, but I think we should, you know, it does help to come up with activities that you can do during low energy times. Like if you would like to minimize the time on screen, you need something else to absorb that time when you are not at your best. You are not going to be, you know, solving worldwide problems. You are not even going to be able to like do much on your own life. I mean, you you just you're filling time almost. What do you have that is fun, rejuvenating, that fills that time as opposed to scrolling through a hundred comments on somebody's bad dating advice, right? So for me, it's puzzles. Like I do 1000 piece puzzles. I do a ton of them. Like I will sit there and those are probably more compelling to me than the, the social media comment threads that I will get really, really into it and can find, you know, I keep making another fit and, you know, spend hours on it if, if I had the time available on any particular day. So figure out what that is for you. It might be, you know, ideas that could be something creative, like some people really like needlework of various points, you know, that it's, you could see yourself making progress. Obviously, if you're knitting a scarf, like there will be more of a scarf after you've been doing it for 15 minutes than there was at the beginning of that time. You know, it, it could be sketching. It can be reading, obviously. Um, that's that my, that's yeah. my puzzle equivalent. Yeah. And again, not highbrow literature here, like yeah. fun stuff that I don't have to use a lot of brain power to enjoy, but never leaves me feeling that same way that, that the scrolling did. Yeah. And, and if you can't even get your head around books, like you're, you're not in a book mode, you can get books that are like magazines. I mean, I go to the library and get like books on garden design and I'm basically just looking at pictures of flowers <laughs> or actual <laughs> magazines or actual magazines. Yeah. I, yeah. I still get real simple. We get consumer reports, we get runner's world and I, I love mindlessly kind of flipping through those. Absolutely. I, I like HGTV. That's another good one. Um, Better Homes and Gardens is still out there doing well. I will put a, plug in here for Southern Living, even if you are not a Southern person, uh, it, it's just a really well done lifestyle magazine where everyone they quote happens to live south of the Mason-Dixon line. So I mean, it's but it, it's about everything. It just happens to have that one caveat on it. And so that's, that's really cool. You know, the magazines I like keep disappearing, <laughs> like Oprah magazine went away, Martha Stewart Living went away. But so it goes. There's often new ones or they have special newsstand editions that, you know, oh, magazine is now out quarterly that you can buy on newsstands. So, you know, you can check that out. And I think feel free to splurge a little on that. Don't view it as like wasted money. I mean, you can usually get a monthly magazine for about a dollar to two dollars an issue, which if it's an hour of entertainment is about as cheap as it goes. <laughs> right. So, yeah, put a plug in for that. All right, let's take our break. We'll be right back with our Q&A and loves of the week. 
Today's episode is sponsored in part by Thrive Cosmetics. I am a speed demon when it comes to my makeup routine. I have approximately five minutes, or maybe three, between showering and starting my routine of getting the kids out the door for school. And so I'm always looking for products to keep things super streamlined and easy for my everyday look. Thrive Cosmetics for years has been part of that. I've discussed the Brilliant Eye Brightener before, which is a serious workhorse for making me look more awake. But lately, I'm also super into their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. It's a tubing mascara that lengthens lashes and is super easy to remove as well, which is key because my makeup removal routine is just as streamlined. You can feel great about shopping at Thrive because for every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. So refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash bestof. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E, M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash best of, B-E-S-T-O-F, for 10% off your first order. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth, that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. All right, well, we are back talking screen time and adults and specifically ourselves and how we interact with screens in our lives. But the question we want to discuss today is a little bit different. Not about screens at all, really. No, not related. (laughs) So Sarah, you want to read this one? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm going to summarize this one because this is quite a long question. But this is basically a woman who has a two and a half year old who is pregnant. So she has a baby on the way. And she's really struggling with getting the two and a half year old to stay in their crib and sleep through the night. And so she's actually worked with a sleep consultant in the past with some success, but still doesn't have like a great solution. And she's kind of, I don't know what the word is, shoring herself up and trying to figure out how she is going to handle this two and a half year old who's still not sleeping through the night, getting out of bed, et cetera, when her new baby is born. And she therefore has to be feeding the baby overnight. And by the way, she also, you know, works full time in, in fairly long shifts. So, wow, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. You go first. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, no, I mean, deepest sympathy is when you have a toddler who doesn't go to bed very easily or who who wakes up in the middle of the night. I mean, we're we're finally in a good place, which not with necessarily going to bed per se. Uh, like I still sit in Henry's room while he falls asleep most nights. Um, some nights I am able to leave and tell him, I ne- Henry, I need to go put the other kids to bed. And he's like, you'll come back, right? And I'm like, sure, Henry. And then by the time I you know, would come back, he's asleep, which is, you know, I feel like no harm, no foul there. We had him in a crib with a, a net overhead for a long time because we were worried about him climbing out. Because Alex, who's my now eight-year-old, was a, is a climber. Like, he'll climb on anything. He's now actually on a climbing team. But as part of that, he was climbing out of the crib at, like, as soon as his little legs and arms could move. And so we're like, oh, well, we got to make sure that, that Henry doesn't do that. And, of course, then Henry is a totally different child who would <laughs> never climb out of anything. So <laughs> it's, um, you know, you never know what you're going to get. But Henry did not sleep particularly well either. We moved to this house where he's just a little bit farther away from me. And I think that helped because I don't necessarily hear him. And I mean, if he's screaming, I'd hear him. But if it's just like the regular nighttime noise, I don't. And so that was that was just a thing. Anyway, sorry, getting back to you. This lady mentioned that the, the two and a half year old likes to have an adult with her. She also pointed out that she's going to have the infant and that her husband may not wish to be up all the time with the infant if she's like nursing the infant. So big solution here is we put a bed in the toddler's room and her husband goes and sleeps there. (laughs) And he seemed to be okay with that. Like he doesn't have a problem with that as an idea. And you know, he's in charge of the toddler. She is in charge of the infant. That seems like a pretty good split. She's the only one who's going to be lactating. So that's the right split if you're going to have one. And that way she won't be worried about the toddler. Like she can just deal with the sleep deprivation that comes from the infant, but she can, you know, co-sleep with the infant. And so, you know, hopefully just like nurse a little bit and go back to sleep and have the the baby there. And, and hopefully that will help with some of that. And I think also just knowing that the toddler is cared for is a big part of it. Like that she's not going to be like, if she does get up, it's not my problem. It's somebody else. Plus my husband's there. And I think the toddler will probably sleep better with her husband in there, because that was part of the problem, is that the, the child is just frightened of the night, as toddlers often are. Yeah, I love that solution as well. It has an element of fairness and an element of practicality. And um, all these things are going to change. You know, who knows, maybe her newborn will sleep through the night at three months. I had a colleague the other day who was like, yeah, we're really lucky our baby does that. So there are babies out there that just do that. I didn't have any, but they exist. So, you know, I guess the biggest thing to keep in mind is like, no matter what you decide, be flexible because you just don't know which which way this is going to go. And your two and a half year old eventually is going to outgrow the need for someone to be with them. I highly doubt they're going to want this when they're 10. So whatever you can do to kind of survive and thrive in the moment when things are at their most difficult, I say do them. So I like all these outside of the box solutions. I love the idea of getting your partner involved like this. And we're thinking of you. We're rooting for you. This is a hard time, but you're going to get through it. And I like the fact that you're planning ahead bodes very well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think definitely create opportunities during the day for you to get some more sleep, particularly while you're on maternity leave for the next few months. And then, you know, even with her schedule, I mean, she's a, she's a nurse, so she works 12 hour shifts. So those three 12 hour shifts will be hard. Yes. But maybe on the days that you are not at the hospital, you could don't be like, oh, great. We don't need childcare. 
<laughs> like if you've got, you know, they have some help from family, they have a part-time daycare for the toddler, like definitely keep using that. Ask for more of it, you know, but have that opportunity that you could then for sure get a nap in early afternoon on the days that were really rough. And if you're not working on those days, that would be an opportunity that you would have that somebody who's like in an office from nine to five, Monday through Friday would have less of. That would be one upside of those three 12-hour shifts. Yes, I vouch for all of that. We're rooting for you. You'll have to update us. Let us know how it's going. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All right, Sarah, love of the week. Mine, I'm just going to double back on our discussion and say that I really enjoy getting magazine subscriptions. Never really gets old. I feel like when I was like 15, I would get my little 17 magazine. It was like the best day ever. Sassy mag. Anybody else? Sassy. So good. (laughs) And it's, it's like not quite that fun. It's definitely not that level of fun. Actually, that was more fun, but it's still like a little fun. And we don't have that many moments of random fun in our lives necessarily. So being able to go to the mailbox and like maybe having a fun magazine in there for me is is a highlight. So yeah, I would say that you can even, um, you know, if you're not sure what titles are out there, which why would you know, like taking a little, I could make this my love of the week is stopping by an airport bookstore or all the Barnes and Nobles have huge magazine sections where they have a lot of random titles as well. But just, it's not that expensive. There are They're cheaper if you subscribe, but they're not that expensive if you buy them. So just, you know, treat yourself to three of them at the airport bookstore, get you through your flight to Cleveland. And if you liked one of them, then subscribe and like, hey, now you've got 12 hours of screen free fun over the next year as you as you read through these episodes of these editions as they come. What are they called? (laughs) Issues. 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 Editions? I don't know. What was the word I was looking for? I'm not even sure. Periodical subscription. Subscription. I don't know. know. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. We have mostly been talking about how we interact with screens. We will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. 
Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.